remain standing. Turn in your pew Bible to page 1,756. If you left your Bible open from last week, it's at the same place. (laughs) We're working through Romans chapter 8. We're going to be reading verses 5 through 11. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 11. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even through your body, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your, to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. As I was working through my review of last Sunday, there's a, um, something that continued to come up in my mind and um, my heart, and I'm going to talk about that this morning. Last week we talked out of Romans 8 verse 1 that there's no condemnation. We talked about condemnation, but there's a side of that, and we, we talked about condemnation is, is that's, a, that's a ploy, that's an attack of the enemy that comes in on our lives. But there's something else that happens in the spiritual world. There's also conviction. Condemnation and conviction. And oftentimes, we're, it's one of those things that can be close, but it isn't. Condemnation comes from the enemy, and conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. You with me? We're going to talk about those two things today. That's what I want to focus on. Conviction and condemnation. And oftentimes, as life happens and as our spiritual life happens, those two things can get confused. And we're going to work on clarifying that today. We can't forget the overall picture of the book of Romans, though. The Jewish Christians, remember this part? We talked about history last week. The Jewish Christians have now been allowed to come back into Rome. The Gentile Christians have been there. And with the Jewish Christians gone, the Gentile Christians for about five years or so were used by the Lord to continue to build the church in Rome. And this is when I said last week, what if you left this church and new Christians were left here 
for five years and you came back, would this church look the way it does today? No. It, it wouldn't. Partly is because the Jewish Christians that left had all of their Jewish traditions and the way that they had done religion and the rituals that had been passed down from generation to generation to generation. And they had a way of doing things. They too were learning about salvation through grace and not blood sacrifice. The blood sacrifice had happened on the cross. And now the gears are grinding in Jewish Christians' minds to go, okay, it's not about getting up and the father no longer has to go to the temple with a lamb or a sacrifice because it's time for that year for the father to go sacrifice this lamb and cover all of the sins of his family. No longer did that need to happen. But they'd been doing it for years upon years upon years. And now you have Gentiles who had no idea what sacrifice was about, had no idea about Jewish traditions other than what they've heard. And they now believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for them, and now they're leading a church. You see where these two ideas, the past and tradition of one, and the newness and learning of the other can come together and provide a whole lot of conflict. Right? We see it in churches today. Church buildings split over what this letter is written about. But we have to keep that in mind as we read about what Paul is teaching. The church in Rome was growing without the Jewish Christians. But they were coming back and have come back into a situation to where they're Christians, they're part of the church. So how do these two groups come together? And how do they function? So Paul gets into talking about an inner battle, and that's really what we're going to get into next week. The inner spiritual struggle that we face. It's like, and I know we've all been there, but you get to a point, you're like, man, who is talking here? I got so many voices running through my head about I should do this, I shouldn't do that, I should do this, I should do that. And I find myself arguing, and it's just like it is in all the cartoons. You have a devil on one shoulder, you have an angel on another shoulder, and man, they're talking, talking, talking. Well, the person in the middle is trying to make sense of all that, and that's where we are. But that's also what Paul talks about in Romans about this internal struggle. And it comes in, Rome, in Romans chapter 7, towards the end of chapter 7, and then flows right into chapter 8. As a matter of fact, the first word in chapter 8 is therefore. Do you know why that's important? Read the chapter before so you know what it's there for. Right? What's it there for? I don't know. Read the chapter before that. That'll tell you what it's there for. And we're going to get into that, and we'll talk about that next week. But we're going to roll in next week. We're going to go right into this internal struggle that we face and this internal battle. But today we're going to talk about 
Condemnation versus conviction. Romans 8.1 There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation and conviction. Here's some of the similarities. They are both very strong internal responses. They are very strong internal spiritual responses that we have. In the immediate moment that we make a mistake, in comparing where we are and where we want to be, and what we regret about our pasts. Condemnation, conviction. Condemnation is an overwhelming negative thought about yourself, revealing our beliefs that we are unloved or unlovable. Condemnation. Conviction is a healthy response and motivation when we confront our flaws. It produces the response of going to a person if you have wronged them or said something or done something, and it's that compels you to say, I am sorry. I'm sorry. That's conviction. Condemnation says, that person whom I wronged will never like me or care about me again. Condemnation. It is deeply rooted in shame. It can cause us to react with paralyzing fear or dread. It gives us that sinking feeling that people will think or that people will even tell you that you're worthless. Condemnation makes you feel separated from love, from God's love, or even from the love of those around you. It makes you feel hopeless, unworthy, and insecure. It comes when we make that, mis that mistake or, or we have a misstep in life. and we feel like we aren't who we should be. That's condemnation. That's that pressing down that you feel. Now again, keep in mind, this is spiritual. That means, what I'm saying is that if you are relating to what I'm saying, then you are experiencing spiritual attack. If you can relate to what I'm talking about, these aren't just feelings that flutter through the air and they have a tendency to land on you or this. It is an intentional attack from the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy who you are and what God created you to be. It's intentional. Condemnation leads to striving to be better. How can I fix this? Now we may go, you know what, that's good. Because we need to be better, we need to work harder. Right? Wrong. Here's what I mean. That striving to be better 
that I need to do better, I need to try harder, that is works related. Condemnation leads to feeling bad about yourself. It leads to being jealous or angry. Now we struggle with condemnation because it's ingrained in our minds that we have to earn things. That we have to give something to get something. We pay for our homes, we pay for our food. We live, a, live in a system that is checks and balances. Don't we? That's, that's what society is for us. At the same time, God has offered His love for us and His Holy Spirit to us freely, yet the enemy wants us to believe that we still have to earn a right standing and a right acceptance with God. Because if we do something wrong, God is angry with us. But if we do something right, God loves us. Church, that's not what this cross was about. That's not what this was about. That's part of the old that the Jewish Christians were facing. Because they had to do sacrifices. They had to give. They had a festival to keep. They had to, they had to, they had to, they had to. And when Christ came and died on the cross, all of that sin, that one blood sacrifice, wiped it all out. Does that mean you have freedom to go sin? Absolutely not. But condemnation is so works-related. We cannot have the idea that God watches from heaven to catch you to do so, doing something wrong. That's not who He is. He is not the God that goes, all right, I got this 20-pound anvil. Where's Ian? I know he's here somewhere. And I know that boy because I made him because he's doing something wrong and I'm going to catch him. That's not who God is. Condemnation is how the enemy speaks to us. And when I say that, it's, it literally is those fiery darts that Paul talks about. That's, that's what the, the voice is inside your head. It is that enemy shooting fiery arrows at you because he wants to keep us striving to suffice God, earning his love and his approval. That's what condemnation is. Well, I've got to work harder. I've got to be better. Nobody's going to love me if I don't work harder. I haven't worked harder, so I deserve this. We cannot forget in this battle of condemnation that Satan is the accuser. That's who he is. He's the one who makes us feel unworthy, unwanted, never good enough, and hated. That's not God. So when the thought comes in your mind that is condemning and you feel less than who you really are in God's sight, understand, that's not God. That is the enemy looking to tear you down. How often has that happened right before you step into something? For example, going to work. All of a sudden, you are just like, I, I can't handle this, I can't do this, I'm not, I, I'm not gonna, this is not going to go well. Do you think that's God giving you the old pep talk? 
No. That is to destroy you and tear you down before you step into where God has placed you to be a light for Him. As a matter of fact, in all of that condemnation, God wants to save us from the feelings, the attacks of condemnation, and from the obligation and the weight of trying to crawl out from underneath of the sin. You can't save you. God can. Conviction. A healthy response and motivation when we confront our flaws. God, I'm sorry. I know what I've done, but I'm sorry. When a child comes to their parent with, I'm sorry, several things are seen in that, in that situation. One, there is a security in relationship. If you go tell someone you're sorry, you may not know what their response is going to be, but you are secure in the relationship to go do what you know you need to do to make it right. There's security there. But there's also a willingness to be vulnerable. We're admitting our wrong, right? We're admitting it. You know what that is? Humility. Something that God looks very highly upon. But also in that security, there's love. Even when the flaws or the wrongdoing of the child, the child knows without question that the parent loves them. And I can come to the parent and I can say I'm sorry. There is security. There is love. There is a desire of heart to change. Because they're surrendering. They're giving it up. I'm sorry. I don't own this anymore. I, I, I own what I've done, but I don't own any of this guilt. I, I'm sorry. I'm asking you to forgive me. Lastly, and this is where a lot of us struggle. There is a belief in their heart that the parent will help. I've experienced many times my kids going, man, dad, I, I have messed up. Here's what I did. I am sorry. I'm asking for your forgiveness. The last part, will you help me? Will you help me? Ask. Believe. Conviction is a prompting of the Holy Spirit. So when I said you get these feelings, we're, we're talking about a spiritual world, the spiritual world that we live in. Condemnation, the enemy is, is talking to you to tear you down and to destroy you. Conviction is the Holy Spirit of God talking to you. Have you been convicted? Ever been convicted in your heart that you need to get something right? It's okay, we've all done it. Some of us will admit it. But that conviction, and here's what I want you to grasp here, that conviction is the very Holy Spirit of God speaking to you. That's what He sounds like. Not accusing, but hey, you did this wrong. 
you misspoke. Your voice tone wasn't what it should be. You acted a certain way. You need to go get that right. You need to go get that fixed. So I want you to look at this from a standpoint of not, oh yeah, man, God's talked to me a lot. That's not it. He talks to you that way and He shares that with you because He wants a deeper relationship with you. But I want you to look at it this way. God talks to you. The very Spirit of God. The same one that raised Jesus from the dead, who is alive in you, talks to you. You can't get any more personal than that. And He's there for you to defend you against the condemnation, but to bring you into the relationship with Him that He created you to have. Conviction allows us to believe that God is the only one who can change our hearts, our life, and our habits. Conviction brings joy and hope as we're maturing. Condemnation brings accusation, defeat, and hopelessness. Conviction brings us closer to God by seeing what He has done and is presently doing for us. Condemnation pushes us to work harder, to try harder, and perform better, all works related, making us believe and depend more upon ourselves than the sacrifice and the righteousness of God Himself. Conviction in the middle of our wrong, whatever it is, tells us to go to God and He'll help us through because there's hope. Condemnation says you did wrong again. You'll never get past this. You'll never change. Just face it. There's no hope. Not a fun place to be, is it? It isn't. Conviction, yes. Because we get to watch God take our mistakes and our blunders and our, take our flaws and turn them into something beautiful. That's why he's called the potter. It's because he takes this old lump of clay and he turns it into a vessel that is beautiful and usable. That's the Spirit of God that lives in you. He's more real than you would ever imagine. He is for you. He is inside of you. And He is taking what the enemy tells you is broken and worthless and used up and time is spent and it's about to all come to the end and make a masterpiece. Church, that's who He is. And so much of it is just a surrender. And just a willingness to go, okay, whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, I'm game. 
We can look at this and go, I've got nothing. But guess what? You've got everything. You've got everything to become all of what He has created and designed you to be. And part of it is learning and understanding that that who lives in you is the one who will lead you into all of your becoming, what you were created to be and do. Don't listen to the voice that says it's too late. That's condemnation. Listen to the voice that goes, all right, you ready? Let's do this. And that's where I always get, you know what? We get to do this. I wasn't always there. There was many times in my life was like, uh-oh. <laughs> I'm not so sure about all this. I don't know about this. And it came down to a point of, from a child to a dad to go, okay, so we have to do this. Come on, let's go. Okay. And I have seen and I have watched and I have seen things happen and happen and happen to go, it doesn't matter what it looks like today, the end result is beautiful. What you think has burned up in ashes is something of beauty to God. Still. And if we don't understand how the enemy is working to tear us down, then how are we ever going to be built up? I'm getting ready to get into a part of how to overcome the condemnation. How do you disarm the enemy? But before we do, I want to pray for us. There's an understanding. And I ask you, go ahead and bow your heads. But I'm going to talk for a little bit. There's an understanding that we know that God sent Jesus to this earth and that Jesus died on the cross. And after Jesus went back to heaven, there was 40 days where people waited. They waited in what is called the upper room. Do you know what they were waiting for? The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead to come upon them, to be with them, to indwell them. That gave them the power, the knowledge, the understanding that God has not left them, but that He is with them. That he is with them, inside of them. And they waited. And they waited. They waited way longer than I probably would have. But they waited 40 days. Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit.
come Holy Spirit. You can open your eyes. How to, come, how to overcome condemnation. Disarming the enemy. Number one, believe that you are loved. Believe that you are loved. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, no matter how you've acted, You are loved. You're loved. It's a challenge for some of us, isn't it? You are loved. More than you know. More than you realize. More than your mind can comprehend. Well, Ian, what about... Or what if... What do I, but you don't know what's going on. I don't need to know. I don't need to know. What I know is that you are loved. He would not, God would have not brought you into existence if you were not loved. But you are loved, but you have to believe that. God loves you. It's not based on what you do for Him but it's simply because you exist. If this is a struggle for you, two things. One, admit it to the Lord. Second, ask. Ask, God help me believe this. Help me. Mark 9.24, great passage. His father wants his son healed. And here's what he says. Help me overcome my unbelief. God, help me overcome my unbelief. That tells you right there, you don't have to have everything together to go to God. He's the one that will put it together. Remember, He's the potter. He's the creator. He's the designer. He takes our broken pieces and puts them back together. Ask for your belief. Second, believe that you're forgiven from your sin. Believe that you're forgiven. That lack of belief puts you in a prison cell. It locks you down. You can't move. You can't go any further because of this. And the whole time your prison cell door is unlocked. Believe that you've been forgiven. Third, magnify God and not your sinfulness. Well, you don't know what I've done. I don't want to hear about what you've done. Tell me more about the one who saved you. 
don't empower the enemy any further. The more you, you hold on to and you talk about and you interact with your sinfulness, the more the enemy has footholds, things to grab a hold of. If you're glorifying, and, and we, don't, we don't even look at it that way. We don't look at us as glorifying our sinfulness. But it's like if we're on a journey and we're moving along and, and my next stage or my next season is this over here. But I can't get to that because I'm holding on to this sin or this is what I've done or this is what's happened in my life. Do you know what I'm admitting? I'm admitting that my wrong is more powerful than God Himself. Right? I'm holding on to this. Well, you don't know what happened in my life, and, and this has just been a real struggle, and, and, da, 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 and all of a sudden, you know, you become, it becomes your whoopee. It's your warm and fuzzy blanket that you wrap up in, and it becomes your identity. And the whole time you're going, you know what, this identity is more important and more powerful than the one who made me. Are you kidding? Let it go. Understand and believe that you've been forgiven and that God is ready to move you into your next season. And that's what He wants. He sacrificed His Son so that you could go to your next season. Glorify and magnify God. If you have a sin or a part of your life that you're not sure that God's forgiven you for, you know what? Ask Him today and move on. Ask Him today and move on. Praise Him. Thank Him for how much He loves you. Thank Him for helping you believe how much He loves you. And the last is meditate on the truth. This. The Bible. There are more promises in here for each one of us to get us from point A to point B, to understand who we are, to understand how much God loves us. Read this. Meditate on it. Allow it to become who you are. Now, I'm not saying that you need to quote every reference or this is found in such and such and such and such because if that was the case, <laughs> I'm in trouble because I can't do that. But for some reason, God decides to stick principles in my head. And they're there. And I can be walking down the road. Oh, let me give you one. You ready? So I've been enjoying um, time on my knees. Yep, for the last three weeks, I've been on my knees working on a concrete floor. A lot of concrete. A lot of old concrete. 114 years old. Man, i got to chip it up. Chipping it up, tearing it out, taking care of the loose stuff, pull this out, because you know what? i got to put in huge patches of concrete to fill the holes. Well, for that new concrete to be a part of my foundation and to really be secure, I've got to get rid of all the loose stuff. So all of the edges, I'm scrubbing with a wire brush, and all the little stones are falling out and all this kind of stuff, and God's like, that's you. I'm like, okay, I'm interested. And in day-to-day -day circumstances, in day-to-day -day life, God shows us who we are and how He sees us and what He's doing with us. But I see that and I know that because I've spent time here. And I see the truths and I see the principles and they've become part of who I am. And I'm just encouraging you, church. 
do that. And I'll tell you this, do it because you're going to need it. We all know we are in tough days. You need a foundation to hold on to. You need it. But see, that's all part of understanding and overcoming the condemnation. And it's not just overcoming condemnation, you're overcoming the enemy. You're defeating him and becoming what God's called you to be. Listen for the conviction. Reject the condemnation. Listen for the conviction and reject the condemnation. Well, how do I know which one's which? We'll get into some of this next week, but I'm going to tell you this. Understand the character of the enemy. Understand the character of God. And when you hear a sentence, within that sentence is the character of who is speaking. It's simple. Things really aren't broken down this way as far as spiritual warfare or spiritual learning, but it is. Find the character of what is, who is, being, is speaking inside that sentence, and you'll know who, because the enemy is called the accuser. God has come to give life and life more abundant. Peace, joy, not anxiety, frustration, and depression. It's understanding. So even now, what areas of your life are you being attacked by the enemy with condemnation? And just If we're going to teach on it, man, let's put the, make, put the rubber on the road. This, this is it. Where right now is the enemy attacking you? Because that doesn't need to happen. That doesn't need to be. You are already free from that. Here's my last question. This is deep. What would change in your life if you truly believed that God loves you? That God loves you. What would change in your life? And when you get an answer to that question, you can take that question and turn it right back around to God and ask Him for that. Because that's what He has for your heart. And that's what He has for your life. He wants you to have that. We're going to be asking the Holy Spirit to come and to move on us and to move in us. I'm going to tell you, church, that does not mean I'm going to break out a box of snakes. Okay? I know some of you are thinking that. That's okay. It's not about that. Here's another thing, too the Holy Spirit. He's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. He'll meet you where you are, reveal to you what you need, 
that he would be there to help you. But he will show up and do amazing things outside of what we might be used to, outside of what we might be comfortable with. But it is the spirit of the living God. We've sing songs, fall fresh on me. Know that song? Do you mean it? Because if that's the case, get ready. And it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. He's here for us, in us, to help us, and to be that light to those around us. Church, you are not meant to be condemned. That's not at all what God has for you or wants for you. A loving father looking down, watching his children live in condemnation, breaks his heart. Children submitting to conviction, though, is a beautiful thing. As parents, to watch your child be convicted by something that they've done and to come to you to ask for forgiveness, is it not beautiful? It is, isn't it? And when that happens, even though the child may have done something wrong, how much more do you want to help them? How much more do you want to come alongside them and help them get from point A to point B or to get past that point or that thing that they're struggling with? You want to be with them. You know what? That's a very God-ordained reaction for us as parents because that's His heart towards us. Admit when we've done something wrong, move and step into the conviction and not live in condemnation. That's what God desires for us. That's where he's taking us. Next week, we're going to be dealing with the internal struggle. The internal struggle. We all have it. We all go through it. But we're going to get real on it and talk about it. But we're going to talk about it from a standpoint of victory. Remember, all of this was defeated there on the cross. And if we live from a standpoint of victory, that this has been defeated, that this has happened, it's already taken care of, we're just following in it, then that helps give us a course and we don't wander aimlessly. Conviction, not condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Answer that question, and it tells you where you're at. If you are in Christ, condemnation is not for you. Conviction, church, listen to the Holy Spirit and be obedient. Follow through. Father, Lord God, we thank you for our day, our time. Lord, I thank you for being with us. Spirit, Lord, I just... I just thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Lord God, I ask you to empower us. I ask you for this week to give us situations to work on these things that we've learned and that we've talked about here today. 
but show yourself powerful and strong. Know that we can depend on you. And I just ask you to lead us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.